Welcome back to the Unregulated Podcast. This is episode number 77 here on Thursday, March 31st, and I am your co-host, Tom Pyle. And I think I'm your co-host as Mike McKenna, but, you know, it's hard to tell. <laughs> All right, my friend, a couple of quick This Day in History for you. In 1943, on March 31st, go. You'll never guess it. Franklin Roosevelt took a shower. I don't know. Oklahoma. Premiered on Premier Broadway. Broadway. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It they uh, they reconfigured a uh, what what Walter Winchell called a bomb. Uh, sent a telegram from New Haven, Connecticut, where they're trying out a show called "The Way We Go." His message read: "No girls, no legs, no chance." There you go. But of course, they didn't have a lot of legs, Should and they know? still it still ran. For some 2,000 consecutive performances. And I challenge anybody so. to find me some high school that has not done Oklahoma. <laughs> 1991, sir. 1991. Let me finish the Oklahoma thing for a second. Please do. Um, in my boys, at my boys' high school, one was a senior and one was a freshman when they were um, Curly and uh, Judd. They were, mm. two, they were two male leads. It was a big. It was a big. It was Very a big good. spring for us. 1991, March 31, 1991. Uh, George. Wait, wait, what's your favorite Oklahoma song? Oh, what a beautiful morning, or Oklahoma, where the wind goes a whipping no, down that's the terrible. plain. No, terrible. Poor Judd is dead. That one? That's, Poor that's your favorite? Judd is dead. A candle lights his head. Yeah, man. Well, there will be probably an, an, not another Oklahoma again. I think we've, we've gone past that good old wholesome Broadway stuff these Let's days. Let's hope so. 1991. No clue. Warsaw Pact ends. I guess it would, right? Mm-hmm. Formed in 1955 as a response to the decision by the U.S. and Western European allies to include a rearmed West Germany in the North Atlantic Treaty Organization. Yeah. The Warsaw Pact consisted of the Soviet Union, East Germany, Poland, Hungary, Romania, our friends in Bulgaria, Czechoslovakia, and Albania. Yeah. How many of them are willing participants is the question. Yeah. So I uh, just thought I would relate it to uh, what's going on in the world right now. Um, should we do a quick, a quick Ukraine? I don't want to spend too much time on sure, this. Sure, kind of do a quick Ukraine. Crushed it what do you a little want to say? Last week. I want to, um, uh, we don't have to rehash the. <laughs> Actually, before you, before you do that, let me, let me um, give a shout out to two listeners, both of whom pinged me this week. Um, Joe, um, Thank you for listening. I know you're a busy man. You're busy running for your next office. Uh, and I apologize that I didn't quite remember immediately that you had worked for Senator Sullivan. But I try to forget things like that about my friends. So that's one. And then Kelly, um, we'll eventually get to West Virginia VEP, I promise. Okay, go ahead with the email. All right, thing. fair enough. I don't have any updates. Sorry, gang. Uh, nobody nobody emails me for feedback for some reason. I don't know why. So. <laughs> your charming personality. Yeah, so. probably. Your approachability. Okay, um, Jennifer Rubin. Yeah, I, I don't often like like never talk about Jennifer Rubin because she is a clown. She's a leading public intellectual in and of Tom. herself. However, she said tw she tweeted, "Quote: Biden makes a speech akin to those at the Brandenburg Gate by JFK and Reagan mm -hmm. in a square with a crowd. His delivery is quite strong." Mm-hmm. Now I have to admit, in the beginning, I was I was kind of pleased with what he was saying. I I heard uh, references to Pope Saint Pope John Paul II, 
be not afraid, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, I read the whole thing. And then, of course, <laughs> what does he do? He goes off script, and he's we've been paying the price ever since, right? So here's a clip. I still want to get back to your original words that he cannot remain in power. Can you help us understand you have more foreign policy experience than any president who's ever <laughs> held this office? Whether those are your personal feelings or your feelings as president, you understand why people would believe you as someone commanding one of the largest nuclear arsenals in the world, saying someone cannot remain in power is a statement of U.S. policy. And also, are you concerned about propaganda use of those remarks by the Russians? No and no. Tell me why. You have so much experience. You are the leader of this country. Because it's ridiculous. Nobody believes we're going to take down. I was, going to, I was talking about taking down Putin. Nobody believes that. Number one. Number two, what have I been talking about all since this all began? The only war that's worse than one intended is one that's unintended. The last thing I want to do is engage in a land war or a nuclear war with Russia. That's not part of it. I was expressing my outrage at the behavior of this man. It's outrageous. It's outrageous. And it's more an aspiration than anything. He shouldn't be in power. So, uh, so uh, <laughs> right at the end so, of it, he repeated so, it. Yeah. So, so you know that uh, he had the the White House mopped up three things that he did out there. Yeah, right? man. Uh, telling the our troops. Yeah. Wait till you get over there. One, and then uh, what was the other one? Chemical was, weapons. Yeah, yeah. In kind, and, and in kind response. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He, of course, I'm not going to play the clip, but Ducey went after him on these things, and he doubled down on the. I didn't say any of those things. I didn't. You're out of your mind, right? Like. I encourage everybody to read the Washington Times editorial on Tuesday of this week, the one that ran Tuesday of this week. What can you provide a highlight for us? You basically, it says that this man is a danger to the republic, not only because of this stuff, um, but because of the interlocked problems of energy and the fact that he's done nothing about yeah, it. So gonna... he's so he's he's a rhetorical um, he's a rhetorical um, car bomb. And he's an energy car bomb. Yeah, we're going to get to that too because we're going to talk a little bit about about some of that stuff. And by the way, just for uh, just for context, and I have there, a, I have I'm going to make some news today as well. So can I can I just a little context on that? Mm -hmm. That reporter who asked that question, a hardened hardened conservative crazy. She's the NPR's White House reporter. Yeah, right, 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 so right. So right. But you're just, you're just oozing with all. You have so much foreign. It was. It was such a. most foreign power. Foreign policy experience. It was such a beautiful we setup. Have said on the, if we have said time and time again here on the unregulated podcast, Joe Biden and his buddy, his special envoy, Special K, have never been so confident. Yeah. And yet so wrong at yeah. the exact same time about practically everything I mean, that they say. I mean, they are to, they are to foreign policy like – I'm trying to think of the equivalent in, in the NFL. What the Jets are to football. Yeah, they have lots of experience. They've been playing it for 50 or 60 years, but they're not any good at it. They've been lousy forever. So you're just like, what's the experience worth to you? The answer is right. nothing. Okay, and but, then, but, but I love she did the setup perfectly. Yeah, <laughs> just perfectly. And you know, do you do you really think Vladimir Putin's going to play that second part? Like, oh, I was just mad at him because he's a mean guy. You, what is playing on every 
state-run television yeah, and assume, radio station yeah. in Russia right now. I assume all of it, right? The, the 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 hey, we want this guy. You know, how's this guy in office? How how are we? You know, he needs to be out of he power. He handed Putin a talking point for his people. He's um, and and I have to be honest with you, the underlying speech really wasn't that great. I mean, I, yeah, I, I mean, it, for him, it, he referenced a you know a I, saint, which was good, and he almost touched on religion, but I, barely. I, I don't I don't blame the speechwriters. It's the delivery, right? Well, I mean, I mean, I read the speech. I didn't see it, right? I read it, and I thought, eh, you know. The, but the thing is, you can't write anything for the guy, yeah, because he can't. You know, he has trouble with multi-syllabic right. words, so you just you're left with what you're left with, right? right? And that's a huge problem. And it, it, it's the counterpoint to Reagan, right? All of Reagan's speechwriters went on to be, you know, columnists and book writers and yeah, Peggy you know, Noonan, right? And, but the truth of the matter is, Reagan made their careers, of course, because that guy could read like you know the, the the ingredients on a can of soup, and you'd be like, well, that's pretty good. Yeah, that was pretty, <laughs> that was pretty good, right? Yeah. yeah. So I think at this point, I'm gonna take my shirt off. <laughs> this is part of the movie where I <laughs> excuse me, Mister. It is part of the movie where I take my shirt off. All right, quick update. Um, it looks like Judge. Katanji Brown Jackson is, yeah, on, is on her way to confirmation. Yeah. Susan Collins announced that she will be supporting yeah. uh, her. I was, I was wrong about that. I figured he she was going to get 75 votes, that it was going to be a straight, easy vote for a bunch of Republicans. But you think she's only going to get a couple R's or what? Uh, yeah, I think she's going to. She might get Romney too, right? She'll get like 50. So. She'll get 52 or 53. I haven't counted the votes real closely, so I don't, because I don't care. But yeah. Yeah. Uh, and, which, which is a little surprising. But I wanted to uh, uh, also play a quick clip about President Biden's keen interest in 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 Judge Judge Jackson's hearings. And did you get any chance to watch much of the Judiciary Committee hearings? I didn't get a chance to see any of it. Um, the president watched portions of Judge Jackson's hearing yesterday and today, and is proud of the way she is showcasing her extraordinary qualifications, her experience, and her even-handedness, her dedication to following the facts. The law and our constitution as an independent judge is clear. He was also moved by the grace and dignity she has shown, <laughs> My God. the deference to senators, and the level of detail she is offering, reinforcing the value of her experience, her intellect, and the strength of her character. Okay, let me play that first part again real quick for you. And did you get any chance to watch much of the Judiciary Committee hearings? I didn't get a chance to see any of it. Okay. That's, Come on, man. Okay. That's partially. That is. But too, Do they not realize that we have these seriously. mediums of communication now, where we get information pretty much instantaneously? Those two cuts are great for two reasons. One, first off, it shows you why Joe Biden was like a good senator or a decent senator, because he's just like. Yeah, I didn't see any of that. Yeah. I, you know, I was, yeah, like, yeah, I was yeah, watching yeah, football yeah, or whatever. Yeah. I had nothing to do, right? Um, and and then the second one is the long, lengthy, terrible propaganda of whichever staffer that was. It's just like physically these guys, painful, these, man. These young men and women oh, are good just, lord. Keep they're talking. They're in a completely different <laughs> universe from the rest of us. I know. They, I can... I, I'm going back to this. They think if they win Twitter and TikTok. They're going to win the hearts and minds yeah, of the American people. In all fairness, this operation has always had elements of a high school debating club, right? Where people are like, I'm going to be the smartest kid in the room and the people are going to like me. And, you know, guys like Joe Biden are like, yeah, no, I didn't see that. There was like dancing with the stars on. Don't be yeah, ridiculous. I, yeah, I didn't, I didn't get a chance yeah. to see yeah. that. <laughs> I didn't yeah. get a chance to see that. So. <laughs>
All right, do you want to do polling or gas prices in, in uh, response to gas prices? Uh, we probably should do gas prices first, since I think right. I think that's what the crowd wants. All right. Reuters, U.S. weighs largest ever draw from emergency oil reserve. Yeah. The Biden administration is considering releasing up to 180 million barrels of oil over several months from the Strategic Petroleum Reserve. Four U.S. sources said on Wednesday as the White House tries to lower fuels would be the largest release in the near 50-year history of the SPR. Your thoughts, sir? Um, two thoughts. First off, they're making my argument for me about the SPR is a terrible thing and we should get rid of it. Um, that's thought number one, right? It's become completely political now. It, the strategic price reserve yeah, is what right. we're calling strategic it. Strategic political political reserve. price reserve. Right. Right. So that's thing one. Thing two is, um, actually, three things. Thing two is one, a million barrels a day is not a lot, right? The the country consumes about um, nineteen million barrels a day, and the planet consumes about a hundred million barrels a day, about one hundred two now, I think. Um, yeah. Can I put a finer point on this? Sure. So one hundred eighty million barrels. Um, obviously, that isn't going to equal one hundred eighty million barrels of of gasoline, but let's just assume it does. Sure. We got nine days of U.S. demand. Yeah. Thank you very much, President well, Biden. Like I nine said, days. Like I said, it's not much. The other thing I was going to mention is that um, all it's going to do is um, retard the price signals on both the production, for both the production and demand side, right? So at the end of this run- It's going to get worse right. later. Right. And And- this administration, I can't think of anything that, that demonstrates this administration's fundamental lack of of uh, fundamental lack of grasp on energy fundamentals. Right? They they just don't seem to know anything about anything, and it's crazy. It's just the stupidest thing I've ever seen. Yeah. I, I, these guys have seriously lost their minds. I, I just talked to a reporter earlier this morning, and I said quite blank that the administration is completely unhinged they have no control over this economy no understanding of market forces well whatsoever and they are still doubling down on all of the things that would actually if they stop doing them would, would really actually lead to price relief down the road yeah. they have still clamped down in their budget proposal that's Dead on arrival on Capitol Hill, even with the Democrats in, in charge of both the House and the Senate, they have extended the lease ban for another year. Yeah. In their budget. Yeah. And they, they wrote it down in black and white. We will not lease any more federal lands for oil and gas production into the next fiscal year. Right. So that's why I wanted everybody to read the, the editorial of the Times on Tuesday, right? Because we get into that and, and we got into that. And it it... They're doing this stuff. What struck me about this whole this last week in energy policy was there's a great big giant difference between the rhetoric and what's actually happening behind the scenes. And if you, but even inside the rhetoric, they're having trouble with it. You think about that that deal between the EU and the United States on LNG. Yeah, read the fine print. Right, exactly. Okay, so so we're gonna give them 15 BCM this year and 50 BCM like for the next three or four or five years or whatever. Great, super. Let's just assume that that can be done, which I'm not sure it can be done, but let's just assume it can be done as about a third of what the Europeans need. But even inside the agreement, the language of the agreement itself, it was all about net zero. It was and conditional gonna, upon all the green garbage. Right. That and we're going to help Europeans. Right. Exactly. So 
think about this now from the oil thing, the SPR thing. You really want to do something? Pull back the SEC proposal on climate disclosure. Of course. You want to talk about something that's chilling investment? That's things chilling investment There's number a one. Li- I mean, the, the study committee guys have put together a list. It's right? a good we'll list. put it yeah. in the show notes for folks. There are dozens of things this administration can do that is actually within their statutory and legal authority. Ability. This is beyond that, this SPR release, because that oh. is not what it was intended for. But set that aside. These market distortions are going to end up costing motorists more down the road. Yeah. Um, for example... Uh, our, our great state of Maryland, our our, our uh, uh, governor suspended the gas gas tax. tax. Yeah, good for him. Yeah, how many people are dri- driving to Maryland across the district line to fill up? Demand is up twenty six percent in Maryland as a result. Right? How far down is it in D.C.? I have no idea. Probably twenty. But they're screwing with those poor guys it, it, who run these mom and pop gas stations in D.C. Right? And it's gonna now they're gonna come back in a year or two and beg the government for more money for roads because they they you know dried up their highway trust fund tough. money. So it, it's insanity. Blue states are bending over backwards to try to to put a band aid on the problems that they themselves are solely responsible for because. All they do is kowtow to these greenies, these green new dealers, yeah. these AOCers. It, 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 you know, it's not good, and um, we're going to keep having. You know, the thing is, the net net on this, and it's important to know. Both the United States and the world is experiencing now an extended drawdown on their stocks. Yeah, um, we're starting to get into a we're starting to get in a little bit of a tickler spot the, here. The, right? Everything is going to come to a head eventually. Gas. I mean, Eventually these the, poor people in Europe are gonna like. There's gonna be a, a serious I don't dire care. emergency. I don't care, right? Um, and but I, luckily, I, the, the administration has a few really top-notch marketers in their in their administration there who are really selling the message. And this is one of them. How high do you think oil prices can get at the pump? Uh, listen, I there's a lot of uncertainty about it. Um, they're not as high in real terms as they were um, earlier, earlier in the century, and um, they, you know, cons- it's conceivable that they could move higher. Janet, yeah, Janet Yellen. <laughs> yes. yeah. this is, they're not as high, relatively speaking, as they yeah. were in the beginning of yeah. the century. Uh, you guys, you guys should quit. You guys should quit your bitching. Everything's fine. So everyone, everyone, be comforted in the fact that. Yeah, uh, I, relative it, to inflation, they're not as high as they were twenty two years twenty two years ago. It's um, look, the reason why I don't have no sympathy for the Europeans is because they brought it on themselves, and yeah. I'm and I'm starting to wonder about America. You know, if 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 everybody just lets this go, if there isn't some kind of course correction in November, well, then you know what, we brought it on ourselves. Mm-hmm. Um, so. Janet Yellen, I know you probably didn't catch this. Let me so let me just get it out while we're getting the Janet Yellen. Shut up, punks! Everything's fine. Um, Larry Fink did basically the same thing. I don't know if you saw that. Our our good buddy Larry Fink. Larry Fink yeah. said, "You know the problem is, is that this is a generation of people who have like this is the first time they've ever had to stand in line for something. They need to get used to it. Get Rawr. used to it, right? And I'm thinking right. to myself, you know, there's a reason. You why. think Larry's going to get used to it? Yeah, sure. I'm sure billionaires get used to it. Yeah. There's a there's a good reason. I'm not saying I approve of it, but there's a good reason why most people try to kill the rich first during revolutions. Because <laughs> they say stuff like that, and you're like, okay, yeah. buddy, 
Yeah, he's line. a real piece of work there, it's, Larry it's, Fink. Our good buddy Larry Fink, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah, you know, Just get used to it. Suck it up, well, Jan, You know, Jan Yellen's the same. She's she's a gajillionaire. What does she care? So our our friend Kevin Book, who is an energy analyst here in town, had a pretty funny tweet about all this. You know how bad inflation is? Three months ago, an SPR drawdown cost 50 million barrels. Now it costs 180 million barrels. <laughs> it's... Anyway, uh, there's one other thing the administration says that they want to do, and that is to to draw to um, utilize the Defense Production Act. Yeah, we're gonna get that to incent the development of critical materials for batteries because we have to, got to rush. Well, this has shown us anything. We've got to rush out there and make more batteries. Again, what the administration says versus what the administration does should be paid attention to yeah. ladies and gentlemen they have they have nixed three mines already that would develop critical minerals right, twin, in this country twin metals in minnesota and, and two others res, i don't have the names resolute my... resolute in arizona and um, one other in arizona I think. and they're slow walking another one and they've already basically like continue the, the the bad trump policy of keeping pebble off the table so you want to talk about just completely trying to pull the wool over american people's eyes on this stuff just don't pay attention to this because they're not helping you they're not interested in helping you right now yeah, with your energy bills yeah, i'm interested period. i'm interested in seeing what that declaration looks like right um because the declaration it, Gives you some sense of the extent to which you're allowed to use the DPA to get around environmental statutes. My guess is is that they're not going to cross out any environmental statutes. Of course, they're not going to say, "Yeah, go ahead, dig wherever you want. Don't worry about it." It's, that's not how they it's don't have work. To, to utilize. All they have to do is approve these permits. Forget it. That's all they had to do. Forget it. Move along, kid. You've already <laughs> lost that fight. Okay, real quick, by the way, real quick before we turn away from this, yeah, that is what's happened in this administration. There's a bunch of people who are like, well, maybe they'll be good on natural gas or LNG terminals or this or that or the other thing. I'm like, guys, this administration's had this conversation, and they have already decided what they're doing. They are staying the course on this energy transition, and any any sort of attempt to construct or put together infrastructure that's going to get crossways with that goal is not going to happen. Move along. This show's over. Yeah, gang. but it isn't coming upon folks like us here at the Unregulated, po Unregulated Podcast to point this out. Yeah. Uh, I mean, not, not... And intuitively, the folks get it. And that's a good segue into... Well, well but there are a bunch of people. Kevin Book, Kevin Book Book, my, my, my very good friend here, he, he got caught in the Wall Street Journal today saying, yeah, you know, there's 21 LNG projects and I'm pretty sure some of them are going to get permitted and blah, 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 blah. And I'm like... What planner do you live in on, yeah, kid? Well, when was the last time you tried to get some out of FERC? You try to get the pipes going too, right? Right, exactly. So. Forget forget the projects. Think about the feeders. I'm not saying that a couple won't get through, but the idea of 21 getting yeah. through. And you know what? Who gets punished in all of this is the the other places that we supply LNG are going to have to suck it up because of Europe's, you know, the mess that Europe created that we're trying to quote unquote bail them out on. Right. I so, mean, so so the Japanese a friend of mine um, who's involved in the LNG market in Japan, a Japanese guy, he and I had a conversation yesterday and he said, how big a problem is it that um, the Japanese are not white? 
I was just like, whoa, whoa, <laughs> whoa, boy, Ooh. hey, <laughs> I, you're not even allowed to ask that question right. in America, <laughs> right? That was true. Okay, so quickly, a quick gaslight. We're gonna move to polling right now. We haven't done polling Yay. in a while. Yay! Including a stellar poll by a gentleman named Mike McKenna. Uh, but um, first, before we get to it, I want to I want to point out to a gaslighting by MSNBC. President Biden's approval rating has fallen to lowest level of his presidency. Dot dot dot. Despite a booming economy. <laughs> <laughs> So let me do a couple clips here. All the evidence showing our economy overall is recovering phenomenally. An overwhelming number of Americans are unhappy still with President Biden's handling of it. Roughly two thirds disapprove in the latest NBC News poll. And as I mentioned, there's a steep partisan divide as well. It's a so uh, this was the show where they were boasting about this incredible economy that Joe Biden has created for us. And yet... Why are his numbers so low? It's a booming economy, Tom. Shut and uh, here's another quick clip from his buddy, Chuckles, uh, over at MSNBC. Let's look at presidential job approval rating. All right. When when uh, Bill Clinton and George W. Bush had midterms that went their way, their job approval rating was, was right around 50 or north of it. All right. When you start dipping below 45, you've got a problem, and you're going to have midterms that are in the bad to shellacking ratio. President Biden's at 40. George W. Bush was at 39% in 2006. We know how that turned out. So you see that's also in shellacking territory. Then let's look at the generic ballot. What you're going to see here is a narrow lead for the Republicans, 42 to 44. And you're going to say, 46, oh, actually. No, 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 no. And, and national polling is extremely rare because of the way gerrymandering has worked, uh, the way Democrats are packed into districts. You know, they have more 85% districts and the Republicans do. The bottom line is generic ballot. If the Democrats are losing, it means they're going to get walloped. Last time in 2010, Republicans had a two-point advantage. That translated to 63 seats. So in summary That's not right, right now, you've got three, essentially three numbers here that all point into dangerous territory for the Democrats and the incumbent party. Presidential job rating at 40 percent, wrong track over 70 percent, and the Republicans leading in the generic ballot. All right, I got one more quick one here, the Quinnipiac poll. Yay. Joe Biden's approval drops four net points to 36.55 among all adults. And his approval in this poll has it at a very low on the economy, 34.58. Uh, inflation is top concern, 30 with invasion of Ukraine, 14 and immigration at nine. These polls do not look good. They continue to stay pretty consistent. We, we've, we've said in earlier episodes that keep an eye on that. Republican Democrat number, and if it stays consistent, it yeah, the generic be, ballot, yeah, it could be pretty bad for the Democrats. And there's one other indicator here: the New York Times, Jonathan Weissman wrote a Democratic super PACs ad buy shows a widening battle for House control. The, the, the Dems House Majority PAC is spending 102 million, reserving in 51 media markets, including Bangor, Maine, San Diego. Um, Spots where they normally have pretty pretty comfortable leads. Uh, South Texas, Greater Pittsburgh, and Seattle. Yeah, they're running ads to try to hold on to seats. So um, yeah, the um, who's the first guy? Who's the, what show was that? The first guy we listened to the uh, MSNBC. 
Was that MSNBC? Yeah. It sounded like yeah. John King. But no, it was and, MSNBC. Okay, so it was yeah. Jake Tapper or some other guy. No, it was something. some other guy. Yeah. But, um, they, wrong about one thing, and it's an important thing to be wrong about, so let me correct it, right? He said, hey, in 2010, the Republicans had a two percentage point advantage in the generic ballot. That's not right. They had a six and a half percentage point advantage in the generic ballot, right? What actually, what actually. Well, I mean, the media doesn't have to report <laughs> the actual truth. It doesn't matter at this point. Right? Look, I usually don't care about numbers, but these are kind of, mm-hmm. you know, this is, these are important. So. The only the only number that kind of makes me the only the, in the in the in the um, deluge of numbers that we're getting, the one number that kind of is sticky and that bothers me, and the reason why I mention it is the generic ballot number, right? We have been stuck at about two plus yeah, two, right? Yeah, and and it, it tells me that um, voters are still out there trying to make up their minds, um, and you know because by now you probably should start to see a little spread. Because people are starting to get no candidates and races and, and primaries and stuff are starting to close yeah yeah down. yeah so so um, that numbers bear some watching I mean it's it's an imperfect measurement but it's the best measurement you have sitting out there presidents numbers are you know Richard Nixon level we're, we're starting to close in on Richard Nixon level numbers they're really bad and, and there's no impeachment yeah they're really bad it, and you know the the Washington Post and the New York Times have headed off after him on the on the hunt. Hunter Biden laptop thing. The only well, reason... that's an indicator in and of yeah, itself, right? Because say. they clearly suppressed the information. Yeah. When you know it first came out with the New York Post, and that's not an accident. No, it's not an accident. No, first they... of all, they couldn't suppress it any longer because there was overwhelming evidence that it was definitely his, Hunter's laptop sure. full of dis- filthy and disgusting stuff. But this China, this China payoff. This Ukraine stuff is going to come out eventually, right? It, it, it's not looking good for old Hunter. But the but the fact that the New York Times decided to pop it two and a half weeks ago, and the Washington Post confirmed it yesterday, um, tells you two things. It tells you that they think that they're going to lose Congress, and they don't care. I mean, they they do care, but they don't care as much as it is that they want to disqualify Biden from running again, the president from running again. Um, we're going to have a lot of a lot of left on left violence here. And not just the squad and everybody else. We're going to have a lot of left on left violence as the media lines up against the Biden administration. As I said last week, and I'll say it again, and I'll probably say it four or five more times because I'm already on, already out there on this limb by myself. This administration's done. Oh yeah, they're no, done. It's, it, they've they've gone from being done to being dangerous at this point. Uh, there are they're already I mean, dangerous. I mean, we, they're, they're, as I said, they have co- they have lost control. They have no idea how to govern. They have no idea how to motivate anybody or anything. And the, the public is seen like right through it, right? So I'm going to say this, and I'll probably regret it. <laughs> but unless something dramatic changes, I think that 2020 and possibly 2024 could result in a massive paradigm shift in electoral politics. I... I I mean, like, like no big swings for a while type shift. I'm always, I'm always, I know I'm always hesitant to say stuff like that because it never actually turns out that I have not seen this in my, in my 30 plus years in in town. I've seen it. I mean, the Iraq stuff was pretty tough for Bush. You know, here's the thing. We said this as recently as 2016 that, you know, Trump and politics is never going to be the same. And it's true, but it's also not true. I mean, the system is the system is designed to find ballast in the middle. It's okay, designed well, it, to do that. If it was designed to do that, it didn't really do that very well because from nineteen uh, 
for 64 consecutive years, the Democrats held the House of Representatives up yeah. until 1994, with the exception of the 1947 Congress under Truman and the 1953 Congress yeah, but under you're, Ike. You're, but so, you're, you're so, so, and then everyone talks about the 40 years. That was 40 consecutive years, but it was 64 years yeah, with the exception I of two it, but Congresses. I'm not, but, I'm, but since then, the GOP and the Dems have swung. Yeah. But, from but, 95 to 07 GOP, from 09 to 11 Dems, from 12 to 19 GOP, yeah, yeah, yeah. and from 2020 now but Dems, th- that, right? That doesn't have anything to do with policy. That has a lot more to do with the fact that the Southern Democrats were a moderating influence on everybody else in the Democratic Party for those 60 years. They, the, this, Especially the Southern chairman in the Senate kept bad things from happening. So people are like- rules chairman, sure. too, in the House. Sure, right? What right? was his name? Yeah. Um, so Joe Coakley? No, you're thinking of somebody else. No, it was the guy in Virginia, the guy around around the corner. The one they they packed the rules committee. JFK packed the rules committee so that they could overcome Howard Smith. Oh. That's who it was. Um, it, anyway, my my point is is that I'm always leery of declaring changes, especially before they happen. I get it, and that's why I said I'll probably regret it. But I just. I think the I think folks I think there's two combination of two factors. I think people are are done with this woke, this left agenda. I as I, I we were talking about the phenomenon of their base being relegated to like Twitter and TikTok, right? And I think you got guys like DeSantis and Laxalt who are punching back, right? Punching back and, and creating a safe space for the silent majority to speak out, right? Yeah. So I don't know. I'm just saying, I just feel like it's shaping up to be a doozy. So. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm certain of that. Of course right? there's a wild card. What? Well, you know, I mean. And the wild card is, as we know, is the, the dude down in Mar-a-Lago, <laughs> right? As so. recently, as recently as two days ago, as recently as two days ago, I had a conversation with a couple of guys who, who know and, you know, they've been, no, he's not going to run. And this time one of them was like, yeah, he's going to run. And the other one was like, I don't think he's going to run. That's how it is, right? Everybody's just like, it's the way it will be. Nobody up knows, until, right? Up until the moment. Which is why every time somebody asks, you're just like, yeah, I have no idea. Two quick bullets. Let's uh, have them. Two quick bullets uh, statewide. Uh, blueprint polling March 25th. Hispanic voters weary of Biden in Nevada survey. Trump leads statewide by convincing margin in hypothetical rematch. Lombardo, Sheriff Lombardo is leading Governor Sisolak by 3.2. It's within the margin of error, but he's trailing. I'd rather, I'd rather be on the right side of the margin than the wrong side, right? And Senator Cortez Mats, Masto, Masto is trailing opponent Adam Laxalt by 5%. Yeah, um, I, I find that to be very possible. Biden's uh, Trump's holding a 10-point lead among non-Hispanic uh, white voters. Leads Biden leads by three points among voters with a college degree. Biden's support among African-Americans is the 67. Hispanic voters favor Trump by 19% in Nevada. Possible. It's possible. So, it, it's not out of the realm of I'll give possible. you this because it's got all the data there. You're I the appreciate poll, poll cruncher. So yeah, you, you I, tell I, me if it's legit or not. It, 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 let's put it this way. Just right off the top, it sounds it sounds in, certainly in the realm of the possible, right? Second quick bullet, Senate, Oklahoma Senate. Yeah. Scott Pruitt's making the rounds for an attempted run, and guess who poured water all over that today? Judge Sarah Inhofe. Jim Inhofe. And he's, Alex. Oh, he's really not. Yeah, I'm not a big fan. He's not. He's, he's yeah, not. I, you know. So that race. Let's just talk about that race for two seconds, right? 
Um, the latest there's some there's some polling out of that race this morning that shows Mark Wayne Mullen um, at about 35 percent, T.W. Shannon at about 15 percent, and everybody else trailing along. Yeah. Um, so, but I don't think Inhofe's going to be able to coronate Luke. I don't think he, I don't think he is either. So, uh, which is which is um, as it should be healthy, right? Yeah. Uh, it it I'd be interested in seeing name IDs, right? I guarantee you, Mark Wayne Mullen's got a pretty high name ID, right? Sure, he, and he's a Popular conservative. Well, he not only he not only so. deals he not only deals um he does he doesn't only represent the district right he's like a half blooded Cherokee or some such thing right which is a big deal there right he's sure. part of he's part of the Cherokee I think it's Cherokee Nation part of the kind tribe of, literally um <laughs> so you know and he, he's a rancher too right he's got a bunch of cows um so you know he's he he touches a lot of a lot of places in Oklahoma the um. I'd like to see the name ID. I suspect that would tell you everything you need to know about that race. All right. Uh, do we want to do the energy survey or save it for next week? We can do it now or later. You want to do it, do it, next, do it next week? week. It, 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 it's, it's, it's evergreen. It's an evergreen. It's going to be there I, for a while. I recognize some of the questions in there. <laughs> uh, Mike McKenna has a uh, column this week on uh, the most recent survey he um, his organization, MWR Strategies, did with the Committee to Unleash Prosperity. Um, yes. So we'll get into that next week. That's a little teaser for you. I want to close this section with a New York Magazine article, AOC warning for Democrats, we're in trouble. Not why, Not for reasons you might think we're... She's, she's just like, well, I, I didn't see this. What, did no, she, this is, what, her, what is her big theory? If Biden doesn't start doing some bold administrative actions... We or we worked our butts off to get him elected, and if he doesn't start to deliver, then he's going to be in a lot of trouble in November and in possibly in twenty twenty four. So, oh, and by the way, she's got a six million dollar war chest. Just so you know, so she's no longer the, you know, I've defeated the giant, uh, you know, candidate anymore. So, well, it's um, like it's like Patty Patty Murray, right, Patty. Patty yeah, Mur- the sneakers. Patty Murray's got a contest out in out in Washington this year, right? And um, yeah, we talked about that a few episodes back. Yeah, and I I've I've reached out to that campaign, and I'm like, you should just ask her where her sneakers are. Little mom and yeah, sneakers, right, right, right? And now she's a 30 year veteran who's in leadership, and you know is 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 every bit as hard bitten as the people she replaced. It's a great thing about politics; it eventually destroys everybody. Yeah. So anyway, uh, so keep it up, AOC. Keep pushing the Biden administration to act boldly with the progressive agenda. I get the theory. That's going really well. I get the theory. I'm not sure she's wrong. I'm not sure if they're bleeding out more voters from the center or from the left. I mean, some somewhere somewhere in Biden land, there's survey data that answers that question, but I haven't seen it. Right? They can't do enough. That's right. For them That's to right. not alienate That's right. the college educated well, suburban just, moms, et cetera. You et could cetera. just stop the you could just stop the sentence that they can't do enough for those guys. Right. No matter what they do, right. it's not gonna be enough. Right. Okay, so uh anyways. We're we're live, ladies and gentlemen. We are live. Yeah, man. All right. Gonna be a great campaign. What do you have? Anything? Uh, I have one thing. Uh actually I have a couple of things. You want them both? Fire it up, my man. I have three things. I'll, I'll do it. I'll do it in quick, quick order. Quick fire. Stephanie Murphy is a very impressive second-term congresswoman from the middle of Florida, from Orlando. Um, 
she announced that she was not only not going to run for Senate, but she was not going to rerun for her House seat um, because she got tired of dealing with the left. And she gave a flamethrower of an interview to should Politico. Should I play an excerpt of that? If you got it? Yeah, sure. You should. Yeah, yeah absolutely. What's your message to people on the left in your party, people like Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez? She says moderates like Joe Manchin are the problem. What do you say? I appreciate her passion, the left's passion, because that drives us towards change. But what, but, but what, <laughs> what makes a difference in Americans' lives is legislation that has 218 votes here um, in the House and can carry in the Senate so that it lands on President Biden's desk and can be signed into law. So let's balance our passion with a bit of pragmatism. Republicans are pretty good at focused on, focusing on winning at all costs. Do you think Democrats are good at that? We are a um, cacophony of voices, and it's a beautiful uh, symphony sometimes. Um, I think we need to get a little more focused here as we um, head into uh, what will be uh, challenging midterms. Okay, first of all, uh, where does where does Casey Hunt get this garbage about win at all costs? Like oh, blah 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 you know, blah. Like, come on. Where where did she learn that from? Steve from Schmidt. Her, you know, it's ridiculous. Steve Schmidt. Yeah, but I do. Uh, I'll, I'll turn it back to you. Well, first off, you know, um, I like Stephanie Murphy quite a bit, right? She's a good member. I mean, she's a Democrat. She's a good member. She represents her district well. She's going to be a big loss, right? She's exactly the kind of members you want to have in, in the House of Representatives, right? Interesting story, right? Folks came over from Vietnam after the war, right? In the wake of the war. She's one of those people, you know, one of the great people that America steals from other countries and, you know, we build on it. So anyway, that... But she also gave the, – the, the rest of the interview was attacking the DCCC, right, and basically – and the, the party architecture. And she said two things that I thought were interesting. One was um, you can't have these leftist groups, um, these, these progressives um, line up in my district and throw a million bucks at me. I can't compete with them and the Republican, right? Because um, you throw a million bucks at me, it's going to take me three or four million to counter it, right? Um, that's thing one. Thing two is she said the person who runs the DCCC should not be an elected representative. It should be a um, staffer because she said the elected representative is always going to have a conflict of interest, right? They're always going to want to be speaker. I thought that is an interesting point and one that um, I have been hollering about for, I don't know, 15 years that, that you, this is a definitive conflict, right? Um, you know, these guys are using donor money to essentially buy goodwill for members. I've said it once. I say it again. I'll say it probably until they run me out of town. If you're giving money to a party organization, the RNC, the NRCC, the NRSC, you're probably wasting it. Might want to rethink your giving strategy. Yeah, I, I, I think that there should be a uh, holy, whole, completely different campaign finance system. But that's for another. That's for another day. Okay, that was one. You want okay. the other two real quick? Fire it up. The second thing that struck me, I'm going to write a column about this, um, is that the Democrats and the Trump machine are um, pointed in the wrong direction, both of them. Democrats are pointed, are, are thinking all about the January 6th commission. They're going to have a report out in the fall now is what they're saying privately. Oh, coincidental, right? Shocked, shocked. Right? Yeah. I'm shocked that there's gambling taking place in this institution. Try to, try to keep in mind that Speaker Pelosi originally said she wanted it out by the end of last year. So you've been lied to. 
Um, and the president, of course, will not shut up about the 2020 election. Yeah. Here's what both of those things have in common. The American people are sick of this. This next election cycle is not going to be about that at all. It's going to be about looking forward and fixing, to the extent it can be fixed, the problem we have with the current administration. It's just ironic that eventually you become your enemy. You start, yeah. you start looking like your enemy. Um, so you got to be careful about picking your enemies, I suppose. Um, third and last thing, um, I wrote this in a column that I was running today. Uh, Frank Church was a senator, a Democratic senator from Idaho. He presided over the special committee um, looking at the intelligence failures in the United States in 1975. Yes, we touched on this a couple episodes ago. I want to I hit it just one more time. I, I argue that it is time for a new church commission, um, that the um, current committee structure we have does not allow anybody to take an objective look because they have clients in the in the um, organizations they would be examining, right? And we have a unfortunately heavy dosage of TikTok and Twitter members um, on the committees, right? Like Daryl Issa is um, running around town saying he's going to examine Hunter's laptop, Hunter Biden's laptop. And I'm thinking to myself, the last time we let Congressman Issa examine anything, he and Dave Bossy wandered around for 100 years and came up with nothing. Yeah, I, I do agree, I think. But clarify what it means. What should they be looking at? They should the be original at... church commission went went after ethics within the CIA. The, the, the CIA. But it eventually spread out to the FBI. I tell you right now, here's what we know, right? We know that the FBI and the CIA tried to pick a president in 2016. We know they tried to do it to again in 2020. To unpick one in 2020. You know, they did it again in 2020. Right. We know that— Biden played along, by the way. I'm not going to play the super cut, but, you know, he, yeah. he was— he, Sure. He, like, the information came out. These guys had their letter. It was almost like it was written already. Of course. Right? Um, you know, we, 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 this is what we know, right? We know that they fabricated evidence in 2016 and, and throughout, the, throughout the presidential um, tenure of President Trump. We know that some or all of them committed perjury. We know that the Department of Homeland Security spied on reporters. Right, we all we know that the campaigns were surveilled on. We know all this stuff. Yeah. This is and you know and Trump, we know and you paid you no remember attention. that interview with Trump and was it Leslie Stahl? Yeah, where he was like, sure. Uh, how how can you dismiss this? Right? right. So we know all that. We other thing you know we know there was a report coming out of the FBI's IG that said, hey, in seven hundred and forty seven specific instances in the last twenty four months, bureau agents have violated bureau procedures in investigations of religious and political figures. And we know that, right? And we know that. So, and we know all about the Hunter Biden laptop now. So we know all that stuff. If that's not enough for us to think about a special commission, I don't know what is. We need somebody serious, not one of the idiots. Yeah. And in the interim, ladies and gentlemen, and, and if I worried, you are ever I'm, approached by the, my reminder that if you were ever approached by the FBI, yeah, do not speak to them. Yeah, seriously. Do not answer any questions. Get a counsel first. I know it might be expensive, but you you have to do that. So my old man you was have a, to do that. My old man was a lawyer, and he and he used to he used to say he used to say, look, when the cops show up to arrest you and ask you, you know, they read you your rights. Do you understand those rights? Don't answer them. Are you Mike McKenna? Don't answer them. Say nothing to nobody about anything ever. Words to live by. But last point on this, because I know we're, we're on time. Um, 
this thing can't be run by guys like Daryl Issa and Lindsey Graham. And it can't. Oh, yeah. It needs to be run by serious people. And I, I'm not quite sure who I have in mind. But if we're not going to do it now, I don't know when we're going to do it. There is there is a sickness, a disease in the middle of these operations. Um, and they do not mean any of us well. Any of us, by the way. Any of us. The same guys with guns and badges who didn't like Trump, for all you know, they're not going to like your candidate next. That's right. And that's not healthy. And we don't have a democracy at that point. Then we really do have authoritarianism. All right, we're, we're wrapping up here. We're going to run over, but our editor is certainly going to help clean clean this up a little bit. Um, she's back. I thought we could go a week without it, but we couldn't. She's back. Baby. Let's have it. Let's have it. Let's have it. We also recognize, just as it has been in the United States for Jamaica, one of the issues that has been presented as an issue that is economic in the way of its impact has been the pandemic. So to that end, we are announcing today also that we will assist Jamaica in COVID recovery um, by assisting in terms of the recovery efforts in Jamaica that have been essential to, I believe, what is necessary to strengthen not only uh, the the issue of public health, but also the economy. I mean, we don't even write this stuff. We don't. We don't even write this stuff. It just bubbles up to the surface. Okay. I can only say one thing: Namaste. Wait, wait, wait! No, uh, no, no. There's more. No, you can't because I'm going to close with some a, a different v- vice president. Go ahead, my fellow Americans. Words have many meanings, and sometimes instead of conveying our meaning, they can suggest other meanings and be open to misinterpretation. And because words have many meanings, and what we mean to say when we speak those words can mean so many different things, we can confuse our own meaning and misspeak. <laughs> That's from HBO's Veep. Okay. Sounds pretty damn similar to me. <laughs> and that is a wrap, ladies and gentlemen. We're going to lunch. Namaste. Bye.